0: this is Packer and Durham on ACCN and Sirius XM channel 371
1: and in mere moments I mean moments our man Carter Chris Cotter will be here. Makes his fifth appearance. Yes, and uh, we got a lot of things to cover with Cotter. First of all, let's show you the big board here real quick of the FBI just to let you digest this visually. For those of you that heard us go through the ACC, here it is. Clemson, and then you see the drop to Pittsburgh, 58.7% for the Tigers, 158 for Pitt, then Miami 8-6, North Carolina 6%, then Wake Forest at 3%. 3.1, NC State at three, even just ahead of Florida State, who's a point and a half ahead of Louisville, and then the rest of it.
2: Don't get me for an explanation because I've got none. I have zip for the yeah. FBI. Zero.
1: So, we give you the FBI to digest. We're going to get to your phone calls coming up. But first, off to the Bull City we go, Pac. Yep. And nothing says <laughs> an ACC road trip like the Hilton on Hillsborough Road for our man, Chris Cotter, which is conveniently located, by the way, to I-85. Cotter, good morning.
3: Very, yeah, good morning. Very conveniently located. Like, if you wanted to go walk across I-85, you could literally walk out of your room and and do that right now if you wanted to. Spring breaking down here with Paul Carcaterra. We got a game today which was moved up because of the weather. Yeah, Uh, between Duke and Syracuse, and then we're staying here because we're going to Chapel Hill. We got a game on Saturday uh, with the Tar Heels.
2: Well, I mean, at least you're busy. Yeah, Yeah, you got that going for you.
3: I mean, there's there's nothing
2: worse than just sitting around all day. you got me—I got one game. I'm here for four days. I got one game. At least they're working, which is good.
3: And I'll go see Mac Brown. I got my alma mater, Georgia Tech, playing a three-game series against North Carolina baseball. So I'm going to go to Boshamer and see that on Friday night. So yeah, I'm, I'm taking in the sights.
1: I, uh, let me also add, too, I appreciate the nod to Willie Platt in the Atlanta Flames. The great Jiggs McDonald with Boom Boom Jeffrey on this yeah, morning.
3: I know. I uh. know. The train. Uh, I, I miss those guys. I miss hockey in, in Atlanta, but that's oh. a story for a different day, I guess. But, yeah, this time of year, cup time, I miss it. Jigs yeah.
1: and boom, boom. No two way air. Jigs flame need a goal. Yeah, that's what we need right there.
3: <laughs>
2: I, I tell you, before we go heavy lacrosse, uh, we just gave up some FPI numbers and talked a little ACC football. You had a chance to see Pitt spring game. Uh, the defenders yeah. of the Atlantic Coast Conference. There's a lot of pieces back for Pat Narduzzi.
3: Yeah, I think th- that's the big thing when you talk about this pack is how many players they have back, and I'm talking about two D players. Their offensive line. They got eight guys who started at least one game last year back, all five starters, plus a transfer from Ohio State. Defensive line, Kalijah Kansi's back. Deslin Alexander is back. Uh, The secondary, the whole secondary is back. All the top four running backs are back. They got all kinds of pieces back. It's just a matter of, okay, who's going to be the quarterback? Uh, And so, But the fact of the matter is they got Keaton Slovis transferring in from USC. He and Patty are kind of in a little bit of a quarterback battle. I think that will continue all summer long. But you've got – a couple of quarterbacks that can play and you throw everybody else in that mix. Oh, Morgan, by the way, number six there, that defensive end had about five sacks in that spring game. He was unblockable. They're really good.
1: All right. But Chris, is it a competition with Slovis and Patty? I mean, you know, Keaton Slovis has got credentials, not that Nick Patty doesn't, but Slovis did it at a pretty high level in the pac 12. So while I respect the fact that Patty has been on campus and been in the system, they did change to Frank Signetti. I mean, it's not like Whip is still there. So, does Slovis, is this a fait accompli in your mind, or where does it fit?
3: Yeah, I don't think it is. I think he probably has the edge right now, to your point, because he had so much success at USC and was established. But I think the fact that Signetti's coming in kind of leaves the door wide open for both players because it is a new system for both of them. And it's a, a new opportunity to show what you can do. So, Patty made a couple of really nice throws in that spring game, has an opportunity because it's a clean slate for both players. Hmm.
2: By the way, we just went through the FBI numbers. Um, FBI has Pitt in the top 10 in the country. You buying that? The Panthers that good? I don't know.
3: It's tough because um, when you don't know what your quarterback situation is like, it's tough. And then also – You know, you mentioned they had their whole secondary back, but they got torched last year. So that makes you say to yourself, they weren't very good. Do you really want them coming back? They were able to create a lot of turnovers. They were able to get a million sacks, but yet they were torched for big plays. So that's something they've got to fix on the back end. If they can do that, then when you play those great quarterbacks like you're going to against Virginia and against Miami, you can contain some of those bigger plays. I think top 10 might be also a thought to the fact that they're bringing so much talent back to the defending champs in the conference. And the conference still needs to prove that they're, you know, in that, that elite level that they want to be at. I think last year with a down year for the conference, I think part of that is probably like, yeah, well if it's the same ACC as last year, then I think Pitt is going to be elite.
1: Yeah, but I think you also mentioned this too. Randy Bates is a <laughs> kind of a hidden gem a little bit. The guys had that same kind of structure defensively <laughs> and Pitt has become a and I certainly don't want to – this is not to take anything away from what Kenny Pickett did last year or Jordan Addison at wide receiver. Their plug-and-play ability on defense should not be overlooked here, and I think we've kind of taken it for granted a little bit. They've had a lot of players come through there, and the production level's been pretty high. You mentioned Alexander. We saw John Morgan flash a little bit the last couple of years in spots. I think about Servassier Dennis. You mentioned Cansey. That's Roddy Jones' favorite player in this league. I yep. mean – He's, he's a guy that just makes plays, Chris. And defensively, they're kind of really, really good. And now it's becoming like an annual thing.
3: Yeah, so you think about their defensive line. They basically had an NFL defensive line over the last three or four years. Every single player has gone to the NFL. And this year you think there's going to be, or last year you thought there'd be a huge drop-off and there wasn't. Then this year again, you lose Keyshawn Camp. You think there's going to be a little bit of a drop-off. Coach Narduzzi was like, no, we won't miss Keyshawn Camp at all because look at the guys we have back. As you just mentioned, all those names up front, all Americans. You know, Desmond Alexander didn't even play in the spring game and he was 100% healthy. He doesn't have to, Coach Narduzzi said. Like, he's ready to go. He's (laughs) chomping at the bit. You know what I'm saying? Like, we don't need to have him with any more reps with our own players because he may, you know, kill somebody. So, let's just put him aside until the fall. That's kind of the way they are up front. Now, they need to – They need to figure out the linebacker spot, though, because if there's one position on this team that didn't bring a lot of players back, it's that spot. Servasia Dennis is phenomenal, but they got to figure out, you know, they lost five or six guys that had playing experience last year. But again, to your point, it could be plug and play. They get this uh, Simon, the transfer from Notre Dame. He's going to play and he made a phenomenal interception in that spring game showing his athleticism. So that may be that plug and play type of player.
2: All right, Chris, let's switch gears. Uh, you're up there to do business with lacrosse, and uh, you got a chance to see Virginia, who put on a defensive masterpiece against North Carolina. I mean, that, coming off the the unbelievable, I can't believe we just lost to Richmond. I mean, Lars Tiffany doesn't lose two in a row, and they had a sense of purpose. I look defensively, they swallowed North Carolina whole, just giving them up four goals. Unbelievable. You
3: know, it's, it's amazing coming into this year, the ACC and lacrosse had some really great goaltenders. When you talk about Duke's Mike Adler, you talk about Liam Anzamman at Notre Dame and some others, and then and then what happens is Virginia—that's the big question mark. Two-time defending champs. Who's going to be in goal? And Noon's the freshman steps in. He might be the best of all of them. He might be your first-team All-ACC goaltender, and that's really where it starts defensively for them. He's not only is he making stops, but he also gets their clear going. He's very athletic, so he gets the ball out quickly when it gets into his cross, and it starts their fast break offense. So. I think that's where defensively they they really start pack. And then Kate Saustad is is an All-American, too, first-team All-American long pole for them. So on that side of the field, it's underrated because they have so many stars on the offensive side, but what they do defensively is very good.
1: All right, Chris, but it is Donowski. It is Duke. They've got firepower. They can do some things here. So this afternoon at 1 o'clock, what do you expect? I mean, what what are the ins and outs here? This this one seems like there's a lot on it because of where Virginia is and where Duke wants to be.
3: Yeah, yeah, a lot on it because for seeding for Virginia's purposes and for Duke, they're not a lot to make the NCAA tournament right now. You know, Duke, North Carolina, Notre Dame, they're all battling for a spot in the ACC. So this one would be huge for Duke, and it's a head scratcher historically. You know, John Danowski, as the head coach at Duke, is 19 and two against Virginia. How do you figure those numbers? The only two <laughs> losses were in the postseason, too, when you think about the last one coming in 2019 in the semifinals. But how does Duke have such a mastery over Virginia in the regular season? That may end today, but if Duke steps up, uh, it's a huge game for them. The thing with Duke is they've been notoriously horrible starters this year. I mean, down 10-2 to, to to uh, Loyola. Uh, down 5-1 to one to Syracuse to start last week. They just haven't been able to come back from these horrible starts. Coach Danowski is scratching his head. He doesn't know what to make of it, how to change it in all of his years of coaching, how to get them to come out of the gate better. If they don't come out of the gate strong today, even at home, they'll be down six or seven goals before you can even bl- bl- bat an eye, and it'll be all over.
2: Chris, Syracuse, North Carolina, When we saw the standings they're at the bottom. Uh, both have losing yeah. streaks going on. Uh, both very different. Gary Gate, of course, now takes over the legendary figure. We have always talk about how this is such an important sport at Syracuse. It's personal. People keep up with it 24-7, 365. What gives with the orange in the heels?
3: Yeah, well, for Syracuse, you know, Gary Gate comes in. He doesn't have his players there. He has some really hard-fighting players, and Tucker Tordovic is a superstar. But they've lost a ton of players to injuries like Owen Hills before the, even, the year even began, a couple of midfielders. He's just hanging on this year. Cavalry's coming. You know, he's got all kinds of recruits coming in that are going to make that team better in the years to come and even starting next year. So for him, it's just a matter of trying to get the best out of his players. They compete hard. I mean, think about that overtime loss to a top-10 team in Cornell on Monday. Hmm. They fight to the very last whistle. So you're going to expect to see that on Saturday against Notre Dame. For North Carolina, they've got to figure something out. Because I know you've talked about Chris Gray on this show a lot. And he's yeah. uh, a first-team All-American attacker. Maybe it's a winner, but I'll probably go to Schellenberger with Virginia. But Gray's phenomenal. But he's a one-man gang for, for North Carolina. They've got to figure out ways to get other people involved offensively. Their midfield has been silent for much of the year. And they rely too heavily on two players. Gray on offense and Krieg, the goalie on defense. And you can't expect your goaltender to bail you out in every game. And that's what they're relying on. You know, they can't score goals and they can't, their goaltender can't stop 40 shots in a game and, and hold the opponents to five goals. So they've got to get some people on the defensive end and the offensive end to complement those two stars.
1: You know, it's interesting. You just mentioned this. And Clark said it last week when he was with us, there is some doubt here about the NCAA tournament, isn't there? I mean, that's, that's one of the things this league has kind of not really had to face or own up to recently. And Chris, for some reason, yeah. we're, we're kind of creeping into mid-April with that doubt in the air. I'm as interested yeah. to see like a Duke, Carolina, How's that Syracuse, how's that going to surface itself? Not just the remainder of the regular season, but once you get to the tournament, too.
3: Yeah, and I know Pac is still over there uh, working out the numbers for FPI. or well, RPI <laughs> in, in lacrosse is big, and I can't figure that out either. But if you look at the RPI, very important on Selection Sunday – and right now, those teams in the ACC, the Dukes, the North Carolinas, and, and the Notre Dames of the world, they're in the teams. I mean, they've got work to do to move up. And the problem is you've got leagues like the Big Ten, and especially the Ivy, who are very good this year. And even when they beat each other, that doesn't hurt their RPI, right. because they're getting, they're getting beat by a top 10 team. So it's hard for the ACC to move up, because they're at a conference, uh, resumes are not good. So North Carolina and Notre Dame, especially, and Duke, those three teams, they've got to win. I think Duke might have to win out. If they lose to, um, uh, this afternoon, they definitely have to win out the rest of the year. Notre Dame's in a very similar position, too, because they're just there's no margin for error, and there's also no ACC tournament this year to kind of bail you out. Right. So in the past, if you're coming in with a lower RPI. Maybe you get one win or even two wins in the ACC tournament, and then even if you don't win it, you're, you've got at least one more feather in your cap for them to look at on, sun, on Selection Sunday. They don't have that this year.
2: Chris, you know, we, we're going to talk to Kevin Corrigan coming up here at the bottom of the hour. It does feel, though, that Notre Dame has kind of found their mojo, right? I mean, they got off to a terrible start, but now they got scores and they're starting to win games and starting to pile up Ws. You, you get a sense if any of that group, that cluster at the bottom, can get on a run. It seems like Notre Dame's on one.
3: They played such a tough early season schedule with games against Georgetown and Ohio State and teams like that. Uh, And then they kind of started to do two things that Coach Corrigan told us they weren't doing. They started doing those in the second half. That's winning faceoffs and gaining possessions. So they were out-possession, you know, every game in the first half of the year. Now they flipped that script and they started making shots. They started taking good quality shots and getting those shots on cage. They were terrible shooting the ball in the first half. They really corrected that in their win against Duke, and if that continues, yeah, they're really dangerous because they have star power on offense, and they've got the system defensively that has worked for Coach Corrigan over the years, and it continues to work. They're always going to be tough on that end.
1: All right, Virginia Duke is at 1 o'clock today on ACC Network. Syracuse, Carolina is 4 o'clock Saturday on ESPNU. You guys gonna be okay handling you know four nights there in the Triangle? Anything we can do to help you there, hospitality wise? You boys be all right? I think we'll
3: probably figure out a way to to work things out on Franklin Street. At least Friday night. Probably hit that after the game on Saturday as well. So <laughs> you'll be okay. I recommend.
1: I recommend that he's not here. They'll 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 serve it to you in a thirty-two ounce light blue cup, Chris.
3: Oh oh yeah okay.
1: Yeah, he's not. Need to go to. He's out. not. It's a good spot. I saw uh, Dave after Clark and the this, Hot Nuts there.
3: Oh, I'll definitely go there. Uh, you know, after this spring break down here on Tobacco Road, we'll we'll need some refreshments on yeah. Saturday night. Yeah, there
1: you go. All right, stay hydrated. Stay hydrated. Be well.
3: Okay. Thank, you. Thank you, gentlemen. <laughs> See you soon.
1: And good luck there with your fabulous view of uh, of I eighty five. When we come back, over under is teed up and ready to go. But uh, don't forget now, we have got plenty, I mean plenty, of lacrosse. Remember now, this game's moved to 1 o'clock on the men's side, Virginia and Duke, uh, from 6 o'clock where it was originally scheduled, and clement weather in the area. Therefore, they pushed it back. It's live for you at 1. And then tonight, the ladies card, number one North Carolina, Jenny Levy's on the road in Charlottesville to see Virginia, also in the top 15. It's right here for you. Thursday lacrosse, pack. told you yesterday, This is the new groove in the spring on ACC Network.
0: The Packer and Durham Podcast. Here's Mark Packer and Wes Durham.
1: Hey, don't forget ACC baseball coming up Friday night. Game one of a three-game set over at the Couch Ballpark in Winston-Salem. Right there next to uh, Truist Field where Roddy Jones and I will be on Saturday. Clemson and Wake Forest. Action right here on ACC Network streaming live on the ESPN app. There
2: you go. It's time to head to Bristol and interact with the smart people. Yeah, it is.
1: Been running the show. Doing it well. Uh, Andrew Brooks, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome. Medalist of the ACC Network Open. Uh, You're shaking your head in a no. That isn't. Is...
4: Oh, we've never had an official tournament. Um,
1: we've, There are a lot of official things we've never had. I got to
2: right. look something up real quick. What, you look, what are you looking up look there? Up, uh, you looking up something yeah, before we well, start this? I got to look up something real quick. I'm just looking up. By hey, index. Not bad. D backs, two and a half hours. <laughs> Not we bad. start
4: there, huh? We got to start there. <laughs> not bad.
2: I mean, somebody brought that up. Hey, uh, How's it feel, you guys chasing the D-backs? <laughs> I, I figured we'd get you back on to get you up to speed. Because I, I didn't know how many games you guys are already behind. So Only two and a half. That's not bad.
4: You know, I don't pay a lot of attention. But I do know that the Diamondbacks at one point this season were in first place in that the is, NL West. That is exactly... Have the Giants been in first place yet?
2: Yes. have.
3: Yeah. Oh.
1: You and and by Excuse the way, Drew, me. you're very kind oh. not to ask Mark about his hometown basketball team last night.
2: Yeah, that was rough. Uh, when do when do the playoffs start? They, uh, the playoffs. well, they don't for you because oh, you don't?
1: lost in the play-in last oh. night. Are,
2: the ten-seeded Hornets were eliminated last night. They were convincingly, I might add, not as bad as last year's elimination, but it was in the ballpark. Do we have guys throwing stuff at the fans again. Yes. Oh, that's great,
4: <laughs> Wes. Why <laughs> don't you take off that polo and show us that Trey Young shirt uh, jersey?
2: I'm wearing my Hornets colors today. I just assumed they won last no, night. No, no, sorry. Sad. sad day. You know, we still have not. We have, we have not won a NBA playoff series since 2002. <laughs> let, you can't help but win. A, 20 years? 20 years it's been since the Was Hornets. that Grandma, Ma, and Alonzo? Yep. Wow. 20 years. How about that, Brooks? Our our NFL NFL team hasn't had back-to-back winning seasons, and our NBA basketball team hasn't won a playoff series in 20 years and counting. Let that marinate a second.
4: That means there are freshmen coming into campus this year that have not been alive. That Uh,
1: was true. Is is this true or false? Because if it's it's, no, we're over under, and it's we're under, (laughs) we're over the number on that one. Gosh, (laughs) all right, Brooks, go ahead, beat that. uh, Let's
4: talk some (laughs) ACC sports, uh, and not depressing Diamondbacks baseball, although. Brian Ives wrote one of these questions, and that might come back. Uh, but we just talked to Chris Carter. There is a big game this afternoon at oh. 1 o'clock uh, between Duke and Virginia and men's lacrosse. Did you know, not trivia, but bar bet, that Duke has scored at least 10 goals in every game this season? Wins and losses, they've scored at least 10 in every season. Virginia gave up four to North Carolina in their last game, so over under 9.5 for Duke Against Virginia today, no, under, under under
1: under.
2: Did you We're, not hear what Connor just said? Hey, Duke gets on. off to slow starts. slow starts. Virginia's playing great defense. Yeah. Come on, under Is this thing on, Is under. this thing on. Yeah, under.
1: No, I had no chance. I'm
4: sorry. Did you say something? I don't think your mic was on.
1: <laughs> That's what I thought. <laughs> under. Yeah, I look. I just sense that the only, Duke's got to get off to a great start based on what Chris has talked about. The slow starts have plagued Donowski's team. Um, so. It will be incumbent upon that, but then you're dealing with a team that has prided itself on defense. For all the things Connor Schellenberger has done for for Lars Tiffany's team, you know, Virginia has been really good defensively. So, I'm going to say under and way under.
4: All right, we had uh, Gino on yesterday, I think. Mm -hmm. They are going for 17 wins in a row, which would be the ACC record. So, over under two and a half wins for Miami in a row this weekend against Virginia Tech
2: uh i'm gonna go under yeah i mean they've won 14 straight so you're talking about can they sweep virginia tech in blacksburg where the weather is supposed to be pretty good yeah no snow no (laughs) um i think the Hokies are raking it they're in the top 25 for the first time this season i'm gonna go under two and a a half i i uh
1: i like the balance they've got with their lineup um and by that i mean not just what they do at the plate but the way we talk about carson palmquist and the relief pitching and everything else. I'm gonna say over. I'm gonna so, say Miami gets
2: it. So, you're saying Miami's gonna sweep Virginia Tech? Yeah, I am. I don't think they will. Mark the tape. Mark the Mark tape. Mark the tape.
4: All right, uh, today uh, is a wonderful day for Packer and Durham. We've done FPI, we'll do it a little bit uh, more of that in the nine o'clock power hour. But over under one and a half FPI projected teams to win their respective divisions. FPI is projecting Clemson and Pitt to win. So basically, will one or two or none of those teams
1: win? Under their under, under 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 They're picking Clemson and Pitt. I I maybe would pick one of them. NC uh, the State and Pitt. I'm gonna. I tell you what, the Atlantic. Come on. I mean, Clemson's going to be really good. I think Pittsburgh's going to be really good. I have no idea how FPI came up with some of the stuff they did, especially when it came to stacking the coastal, but also stacking the Atlantic.
2: I make a pick now, but I'm allowed to change my mind 400 times before we uh, kick this thing off. Can okay, I? sure.
1: No, uh, not uh, acceptable.
2: All right, then I don't get. Not acceptable. Me. Wait, Coach <laughs> K. You, Coach so, K. So
4: NC State in Miami. I gotcha.
2: I would pick Clemson in Miami today. But I'm allowed to change my mind. There's a, there's a lot of stuff that's going to happen between now and camps opening up in August. We got the transfer portal. You oh, got yeah. Rooks getting on campus. You know, who, who's healthy? I mean, there's a thousand things that can happen.
1: Yeah. I um, I am in a situation where I, I think Clemson is hard to beat because of what they're going to be defensively, Right. And NC State's at Clemson. Yeah, and those two games, though, being in back-to-back weeks for Clemson. Back-to-back weeks. So, I'm of the belief that Clemson can actually take a loss and still win the division, okay? Remember, last year it took two losses, and that's how they didn't get to the division. The Coastal, for me, as much as I want to buy Miami – I mean, we're we're looking at a team that is bringing back a discernible amount of talent from a year ago. I get it. And if they sort the quarterback
2: out, it's a workable schedule. That's what you just you just said. If when I hear again, every time uh, I hear the word "if," flags pop up in my head. All right, pay attention to the next line as soon as you hear the word "if." Pitt's got to figure out the quarterback. Miami does not. I will lean Miami. Clemson's got to figure out the quarterback. Yeah, but you know they won ten with mediocre play. Yeah right and they, right. they dominated Wake, I, and they get state at home where it's been what 20 years since they've lost to them at yeah. home in death valley <laughs> yes. something like that yeah it has actually. Like that. so again we're allowed to change our minds but today i'd go clemson and miami
1: okay today all right drew one more
2: uh
4: we actually have two more
1: okay um so, i'm looking at the uh, clock you're producing what am i doing
4: yeah kevin corrigan joining us here uh hopefully soon we'll see how fast you guys answer these questions and I'll ask them quickly. Uh, Armando Baycott came back or announced that he's coming back for a season. Did you know that he had 511 rebounds last season?
2: We did. We did saw the. Did you graphic. know
4: times two that he's only 218 rebounds away from breaking Tyler Hansborough's career record at North Carolina, 218 to tie, 219 to break it? Over under 20 games next season before Baycott. Baycott, excuse me, breaks Hansborough's record.
1: He's got to average about eleven a game to break it in under twenty. Proud uh, of you? I'm gonna go um under. I am too. They've got it they have got a really good schedule, but I think he will flourish. I think he's he's gonna be boy, I'm gonna say this on April the fourteenth. Um remember when Tim Duncan came back for his senior year? But he was a national player of the year when he came back, right?
2: That was a known entity.
1: Right. Baycock became a known entity. You get the sense, though. Remember, Duncan had such good talent around. He had Tony Rutland. He had, like, Goolsby, Ricky Peral. they, They won an ACC championship his senior year. Or, no, they got beat, I'm sorry, his senior year. The idea for me is is that Baycott's going to have guys around him. I think he'll be just as impactful. That's why I'm saying under.
2: I think he's going to play relaxed and loose. I do too. I mean, he, he's back. You know, everybody knows who he is. He's kind of basically playing for the next position mm-hmm. uh, of his career in the NFL, in the NBA. So, I, I think he'll be terrific. And the only I mean, reason
1: he won't is because, I mean, you know, knock on wood, there's a sidetrack somehow or another injury or whatever the case may be. When healthy, he will be – Right now, my opinion, Kofi Coburn also is coming back. Sheboy is coming back. Nationally, it's going to be a heck of a year for bigs. And it was his passion. Right. But to me, Baycott is a guy who can light up the college game. So I'd say under, uh, assuming he plays those games. How's that? All right, Drew? I
4: did not write this last question. Just need an over or an under. 40 games between the Giants and Diamondbacks in the final NLS standings. 40? Yes, sir.
2: Uh, uh, the D backs will be under forty. I mean, last year you barely snuck under fifty. Uh, my boys aren't going to win one hundred and seven this year. They're not. So it, it, no, no, we're not going one hundred and seven. Uh, but it'll be under forty for the D backs. Under forty, but a solid last place finish though. You got that going for it. That's not a bad question for odds, is it? No, that's a good question. By yeah, Ives.
1: it's a good question. Odds on his way to vacation. He left that one in the Dropbox.
0: Packer and Durham. This is the Packer and Durham podcast.
2: Packer and Durham on a Thursday, chilling and grilling, still trying to figure out FPI, but we'll get around (laughs) to that again during the power hour. But we also have lacrosse on the brain and I appreciate Chris Cotter kind of breaking it down, but Notre Dame's been busy. Now they're kind of chilling out a little bit. Yeah. And uh, Coach Corgan and the gang about ready to get it cranked up one more time.
1: Iris have uh, have won three straight and four of the last five, and uh, and they've had fifty six goals in their
2: last three. Rocking it. So uh, Carg told us last week, you know what? They're scoring. They're starting to find it, finding their mojo at mm-hmm. the right time. Yeah, I'm with you on
1: that. Um, can we go to South Bend for Coach Corrigan? Maybe, uh, maybe. Yep. Maybe. Let's check in with Coach Cargan there. Oh, whoa, hey, back porch, Kevin Cargan. I love it.
5: (laughs) Got a beautiful day here in South Bend. One of the few nice days we've had this spring.
1: Well, I got to tell you something, Kevin. Bray has come to us from his car on, what, four or five (laughs) different occasions. I like your back porch a lot better than Bray's car. So would you please tell the basketball coach that from here on, we need to go back porch at his
2: house?
5: We're we're a really high tech operation around here, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: I know this much: that offense is starting to get high tech. I mean, you got to like what you're watching offensively with your club right now.
5: Yeah, no doubt. We're we're starting to really play well. Um, you know, Jake Taylor coming off of an ACL injury, uh, you know, has added a lot to to kind of center our offense and and have a guy on the inside where the you know the Kavanaughs and, and, uh, and our midfielders can, can, you know, pump the ball in there. Um, and Quinn McCann moved back to our first midfield. We, we were playing him in kind of a hybrid role because he can do so many things so well. Um, and, and we've still got him playing somewhat of a hybrid, but now, now it's more as a offense first um, role as opposed to a defense first role. So those two guys have made a big difference. And, and just, I think the you know, the maturity of, we're starting uh, right now. We're you know, eligibility wise, we're starting two sophomores and a freshman on attack, and and uh, and a sophomore on our first midfield. And it, and sometimes it just takes a little while.
1: All right. So in that light, how much acclimation has to take place? I mean, when you start building this team and you know your attack might be young, you got to have a little give, right? You got to understand there's a process that builds here. I'm guessing.
5: Yeah, oh. you know. Oh, there we go. I, I'm, you guys got me. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, you know it, it is. It is a process, um, and it and it shouldn't have taken as long as it took. And and uh, that's that's on me. You know, we we had to be ready uh, early because we knew what our schedule was. Uh, we 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 had a. I think we have the most challenging schedule in the country. Um, and you know, the good news is there's still some meat on the bone, and and we've got a chance to to prove ourselves. Uh, you know, coming down the line here. The bad news is we have to prove ourselves. We don't, we don't have any choice.
2: You know, Coach, uh, yesterday we had the Hasselbeck sisters on. Yeah. They're playing up, up there at Boston College. <laughs> We've had the Hadley brothers wrestling up there at NC State. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you had just mentioned the Cavanaugh's. Uh, what is it like when you have brothers tandem? What's that like as a coach?
5: We've had a few brothers over the years, and, and uh, you know, the, the Ulrich brothers uh, actually took us to our first Final Four um, back in, in 2000 and 2001. Um, they, they were like cats and dogs, man. They, they fought like brothers fight. You know? uh, and, and it was actually a, a pretty funny dynamic. Uh, these two guys, you, you don't see them not get along. And it's the first time they've ever really played together, but they seem to have a sense for each other and, and, and know how to find each other. I'm not sure if that's because they're brothers or just because they're both really good, really smart lacrosse players and they know where to find another really smart lacrosse player.
1: Uh, Pat's been on a tear though. Hadn't he, Kevin? I mean, he's been playing very well for you here lately. I mean, five or more points in four games, including the last three.
5: And, and, and part of that is just the nature of his game. You know, when we're playing well, um, he's going to benefit because when the ball's moving and the defense is moving, you can't defend the things that he does so well. Um, but when, when, when we're not playing well as a unit, uh, it, it really, m- then he has to try to create something on his own and, and make a play on his own. And that's, that's not as much his game as it is taking advantage of, of what, you know, a defense, where, where they become vulnerable when things are moving.
2: Coach, the schedule's been kind of quirky, too. I mean, two games in four days and some time off. Uh, does it come at a good time as far as getting your legs back under you? Or given the fact how you're scoring offensively left and right, you just want to stay in that flow and that rhythm?
5: I, I think uh, we're fine with a little bit of a break right now after after two games in four days, and uh, you know the, the the Duke game was was just a, a battle. Uh, it was a really physical uh, game, and and they're a big physical team. So you know we're we're okay with a couple of days off here to get ready for Carolina a week from today, and and uh, and then and then yeah, we do have another open weekend, um, mm-hmm. which will which will be really odd to have you know. That that kind of back to back, but unfortunately, the way we're trying to schedule our league, it just was it was hard to to fit everybody the way we wanted to. Um, last year, we went down to Carolina and played Duke on a Thursday and Carolina on a Sunday, and that was really tough too. Uh, so I think it, at least we've spread it out a little bit more this time and and give ourselves a little better chance to recover. Go
2: ahead. Oh, you want me to go ahead next? Yeah. All right. You know, we've been talking about. Um, the league right top to bottom and traditionally we see everybody kind of ranked in the top 10 and bunched together it's been a little bit different this year coach uh any talk or conversations amongst yourselves in regard regards the ncaa tournament or hey we're not going to worry about that right Mm now
5: you can't worry about that right now you just got to worry about getting better every day and you got to worry about the game in front of you and and you know those things and, and so we're, we're not focused on that in, in any way. And I, I haven't heard, you know, any talk about that from other coaches either. But you're, but you're not wrong in that we're not in the position that we normally are as a league, which is everybody being in the top, you know, 10 to 15. And, uh, and, and wins, you know, really help you and losses don't hurt you. Um, so, yeah, it's going it's, to it's a, it's a little bit different league this year, uh, just based on some of our early results outside the league.
1: Kevin, I want to ask you about this, and too, Chris was talking about there's no ACC tournament this year. Um, in, in the sense of how that fits, is that something that you, you can use as a, as a kind of an accounting mechanism to prepare you for postseason? But in a situation where you don't have the tournament, feels like there's more premium going down the stretch than maybe years previously.
5: You know, we didn't have the, the tournament last year, and we had all five teams, you know, playing and, and almost had four of the, all, all four Final Four spots, right? If we don't mm-hmm. lose in overtime to Maryland, we've got all four teams in the Final Four. Um, it, it, it's really just either way. You know, the, the oddity of us with, with the few number of schools we have, the oddity of the tournament is that one team only gets four games in the conference, mm-hmm. two teams get five games, and two teams get six games. We went to a scheduling arrangement where we play, you know, two teams twice, and that gives everybody six games in the conference. I think ultimately that's that's to our advantage. Okay. It also means you don't have to play uh, that 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 Friday Sunday, um, you know, tournament stretch, which is really tough, a, a, a really hard weekend with the with the athleticism in our league. It just becomes really hard. So I, I think all in all, w- we have a good arrangement. I, I like what we're doing. I just uh, again we we, you know we didn't hold up our end of the bargain. We lost we lost three games uh, outside the league early in the year that that, that uh, you know are are, are uh, hurting us and and really hurting our league. And and I and I think you know some other teams might feel the same way about a loss on their schedule.
2: Kevin, you know this past weekend I watched Masters coverage from start to finish and. <laughs> I don't know if those birds down there are Augusta or there or it's television, but I kept hearing the birds chirping. And this entire interview, I feel like you're at Augusta because I keep hearing the birds <laughs> chirping up there in South Bend. And I'm thinking, man, it, maybe it's just in the back of my head. I just keep hearing bird chirping every time I look up on the television monitor.
5: <laughs> it's just for anybody who doesn't think we have a nice spring in South Bend. Here it is, man. You're hearing the birds and sitting out here in the sunshine.
2: I love it. Hey, before we let you go, we've been asking coaches this question for the last couple months. Uh, what is your walk-up music? What, what's the song to get you fired up in the morning? It'll be game day, getting out of bed, whatever the case may be. What, what's your go-to?
5: I, I don't. I don't really have a go-to there. You know, I'm I'm kind of a John Prine guy. I'm I'm an old school, oh. uh, you know, kind of kind of folk guy. So I don't. It's not really pump-up music. You know. <laughs> So, no, yeah. I don't
2: think I have an answer for you. One. Gotta, gotta have something soothing with all those birds up there in the South Bend.
1: <laughs> hey, uh, enjoy the weekend off. Good to see you, and uh, good luck the rest of the way.
5: Thanks. Always good to see you guys. All Appreciate right. it. You, you bet. Go. Good Kevin luck, Kevin
1: Cargan, the uh, head coach, men's lacrosse at Notre Dame. That
2: Corgan clan now—it's uh, ACC first family right there, the Corgans, right? Yeah doesn't matter. Any Corrigan you meet, it's just quality. Yeah. Never met a bad Corrigan. Tim's getting ready to be real busy. Well, he's busy last night. Well, that's what I'm saying. Tim Name a Corrigan that you have met that has been kind of a, eh, he's just okay. You don't you don't have that conversation no. with a Corrigan. No. It's amazing. That's right.
0: Here's Mark Packer and Wes Durham.
2: Packer and Durham on a Thursday. Still more guests coming your way, especially in the Power Hour.
1: Absolutely. Uh, John Rittman will be here from Clemson, uh, the softball coach there, and Mike Elko, Dukes football coach, ahead of another big spring football Saturday on ACC Network. Speaking of, Wake Forest is a part of that this weekend. Dave Clawson was with us yesterday, ACC Coach of the Year, and he's had some changes in his staff, most notably – Brad Lambert, a former Jim Grobe aide, has returned to Winston-Salem as the defensive coordinator. We started our visit yesterday with Coach Clausen about Lambert's return.
6: You know, he's a proven Power 5 defensive coordinator. Uh, He's familiar with Wake Forest Mm -hmm. and the type of school and the type of student athletes we recruit. Um, He's a great geographic fit. He spent a lot of years in North Carolina. And I think more important than any of those things – He's just a really good person, you know, that it didn't take too long to sit down with him and figure out that our value systems are, are very much aligned in, in terms of what we believe, uh, coaching philosophically, uh, you, you know, our mission, how to treat student-athletes. Um, and, and it's been a great transition. So anytime you have a new system, there's going to be some growing pains. We're trying to go through as much of it now. So, we don't go through those things in the fall. Uh, but, you know, Brad, James Adams, who played here, Glenn Spencer, uh, uh, these are some veteran guys that uh, they know what they're doing. Um, they can make adjustments, and uh, we're excited to have them here. Coach, I, w- I want to ask
1: you a similar question I've asked your colleagues across the league here in the last two weeks or so. Um, your spring game is Saturday, two o'clock. Uh, I know it'll be a great atmosphere, but folks will dial in and watch this and, and they'll, they'll know the household names. They'll remember the names from a year ago, the Nick Andersons, the Kalen Carsons, Smendas on defense, and you know the guys we've talked about on offense. Who is one guy on maybe either side of the ball that's caught your eye that you think, you know what, this guy may contribute and, and, and let the fan indoors a little bit on, on an emerging player for your team?
6: Well, on offense, it's the the two young receivers uh, that I mentioned. Uh, Jamal Banks and Horatio Fields have both had really good springs for us. And uh, for us, that's good. You know, A.T. Perry and and Donovan Green are getting older, and we see the next generation starting to emerge. Hmm. Um, And and on defense, you know, there's some young linebackers that are really starting to take that next step. You know, Chase Jones, uh, Jalen Hudson, uh, guys like that who when you lose Luke Masterson and Travion Red right. and, you know, Jasir Taylor, some of those really good players that we lost in the, the second and third level of our defense, you know, we've got to start building the next generation of players there and uh, very encourage what I've seen from all those guys.
2: Coach, I am not a recruiting guy. In fact, I always laugh when the recruiting rankings come out because I'm like, hey, you know it- – Whatever makes you happy. I mean, whatever gets you, you know, fired up when you see a recruiting ranking, because the only thing that matters is whether you're a five-star a walk-on or anybody in between, once you get on campus, can you be coached? Is there an interest to get better, a desire, and, you know, coaching matters. So I want to go to your recruiting a second, uh, given the success. and I want, Well, not just necessarily last year, because as you mentioned, hey, we're going bowling, we're winning a bunch of games, we're a factor. The difference that you have seen in terms of hey, when you say Wake Forest football, and you walk into a kid's house, uh, you tell us from your perspective what a difference it has made, given the success that you've had at Winston-Salem.
6: I, I certainly think there's there's been a jump. Um, you know, some of the players that we like, and the other offers they have, we're starting to to maybe get some guys visit that we couldn't get visit in the past, and. You know, I'm sure when it's all said and done, we'll probably end up uh, with some guys that the, the recruiting uh, experts, uh, you know, have ranked high. We've always taken the philosophy in recruiting of trusting our own eyes. Um, I read somewhere, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago that they said the most talented rosters in the ACC, and they had us listed as the least talented roster in the ACC based on recruiting rankings hmm. um, and You know, we trust our own eyes. Uh, If you look at the amount of all ACC players we have, I think we're second in the Atlantic to Clemson over the past three years. We had 15 all ACC players a year ago, 36 in the last three years. Um, And again, the recruiting experts say that we're bringing in the worst class in the ACC every year. So uh, obviously there's a disconnect somewhere. Um, We're going to just continue to trust our own eyes. If we believe in a player, and think he loves football and he'll develop, um, I don't think success can really necessarily change the model of, of how we recruit because we think what we're doing is working.
2: Tempering expectations, embracing expectations. is a kind of a new universe for you and for Wake Forest football and the fans and everybody else. So what's going to be the approach for 22?
6: You know, Pac, we're we're the Swiss here, you know, so we're just, we believe in neutrality. Um, We don't, we don't talk ourselves up. We don't talk ourselves down. Um, You know, even catching some of the NC State uh, spring game, um, you know, the ACC network uh, just discounted us as one of the most successful programs in the last two years. They had schools with a worse record than us. listed as the most successful program. So uh, you guys are are helping us build that buzz with uh, maybe some of the lack of research, some of the statistical people there do, and it's all good with us, man. We're just going to hang out in Switzerland and enjoy life.
2: I tell you what, that right there is a soundbite that should register in every locker room in the league I've right there. I've got to tell you,
1: I I mean, you know, he's been playing this Swiss thing for about two years, coach. And now you've embraced it with him. Unbelievable where this it. is going. Well, oh, <laughs> stop. Oh, bless your heart. So,
6: okay. Hey, I, 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 I've lived in the South long enough to know what bless your heart really means, so be careful.
2: <laughs> He's unbelievable. When you are the coach of the year, man? Life's good. You got Packer and Durham mugs. You got everybody back. You're starting quarterback. You're going to be preseason top 15 in all likelihood in most polls, despite what FPI says. Life is good if you're Wake Forest Demon Deacon. It's been an incredible year, but Dave Clawson's going to be good again, man. Count on it.
0: The Packer and Durham Podcast.